If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That is why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And um, at episode 133, I have not heard a peep about making fun of the name. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know, you didn't even think like, there would be an allowance if the name, the owner's name is like Believe or something. No, no, it's not. It's not even. It's just a misspelled version of Believe. Or so I, I, I think. I actually never had a discussion about it. Um, but uh, maybe at some point it'll just be called the Comedy Bureau for Report. But on to this week's amazing guest. Um, Known, known him for a, a, a long time uh, it, it, through the L.A. comedy scene. And uh, what, a, what an important figure that I feel like not enough people know. Um, Booker for the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach and the Stand-Up Comedy Club in Bellflower, uh, located on opposite sides of L.A. County. Please give it up for Richard Barrett, everybody. Thanks, Jake. No problem. How is it? First off, between the two cities, which is, I want to say, separated by 30 miles, maybe? Not quite, but a a solid 35, 40 minute drive. Yeah, with no traffic. Yeah, yeah, a decent decent hour. Yes. Yeah, where are you right now? Uh, Long Beach. So I am not quite in between. I'm probably about a, a an eight minute drive from the club in Bellflower and about yeah. a 35 minute drive from the club in uh, Hermosa. Right, right, right. Um, and at in October 2022, how is it running two clubs, one of which is one of L.A.'s oldest comedy clubs and the other being one of L.A.'s newest? Right. It's a it's an interesting time, you know. Everybody's a little bit worried about their money and uh, and trying to be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, uh, finance smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so spending money on stuff that is not necessarily a, a, a you know a necessity is a little mm-hmm. bit tough to go spend that extra dough. Right. Um, it's a we we just went through. Uh, we had a good summer in Hermosa. Uh, mm-hmm. October November is usually a slower time of the year for us mm-hmm. uh just there 
there's simply less people down by the beach walking around. So there's less people that are, you know, seeing the club in the afternoon or in the mm -hmm. evening and, and, and popping in. Uh, yeah. Just the, the weather's not, you know, like it is during the summer. And so there's just less people in the area. Um, so that makes it a little bit, uh, our, our numbers tend to drop a little bit. It's a little bit off season for us. Uh, Bellflower seems to be doing well. We're, we're uh, 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 numbers have been going up steadily. Uh, You're which literally the only game in town there. Yes. Uh, I don't think anyone has ever said, let's go to Bellflower for any reason other nope. than going to the stand-up comedy club. I lived in Downey for 10 years, which is right, right next, next door. Yeah, yeah, and I would never, ever say that. Right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're trying to change that. I think the city's been very much behind it because they know that. They'd like to have a place that's a destination and bring people in from other cities. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's the, the challenge there has been and just making people aware that the club is out and and, and available. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's new. It's kind of tucked in off of uh, one of the main streets in Bellflower Boulevard. Right. Uh, so there's not a lot of foot traffic going by or people driving by. So it's up to a, a word spreading amongst the community. And right. that has happened, but it's it's it takes a little while. With that in mind, why is it not called the Bellflower Comedy Club? And it is called the stand-up comedy. If, if it's so important for them to have it as a destination for Bellflower. Sure. Uh, you know, I wasn't thrilled. Well, the owner wasn't necessarily making it a destination for Bellflower. The city's very happy about yeah. that. He just yeah. ended up being, a, uh, he's got family in that area and, and he, mm -hmm. he lived near that area. And so mm -hmm. it was very convenient uh, for the owners there. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't sure about the name of the stand-up comedy club at first. <laughs> Me and the more I thought about it, though, I said, oh, it tells you exactly what we're doing, though. Yeah. And so I, I don't have <laughs> any issue with that after I thought about it. Right. I do feel like there is a missed opportunity to have that venue only do improv. Oh, <laughs> calling it the stand-up comedy club? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I comedy, mean, comedy and magic club doesn't do it as much magic as we do comedy. So I guess there's sure. That. Sure. Um, I remember the, the, uh, I've been to, I wish I go more. It is kind of far from me. I live in Larchmont now, but um, I've been to the comedy magic twice. And it, what I've remembered is it seems like, you know, it was interesting that you said about that. You got like um, lower numbers to me. It always seemed that you had just the strong, base of the community in Hermosa just kind of coming to see comedy period because like I one of the times I went was to see Gerard Carmichael and he hadn't gotten anything yet like he wasn't known or he was known in comedy very much but um he hadn't gotten his NBC deal he hadn't right. done his HBO special and I remember like going in it was like packed I'm like there's no way that all these people know Gerard well enough to pay like whatever it is. No, that's that's the, the club's been around since 1978. So there's 44 years of, of really putting on hopefully great shows. And uh, we've really branded the club back in 2008 or so. We made a, a, a change in the direction of the booking of the club. Previous mm -hmm. to that, we were strictly just a headliner room. And so we were having headliners come in and do a week. They'd come in and do like Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah, and then yeah. on Sundays, the, the club is well known for having Jay Leno on Sunday nights. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we do headlining shows Tuesday through Saturday and then have Leno headline Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, 2008, uh, the economy dropped during that time period. 
right. uh, and we were looking, the numbers started to drop and we we're mm-hmm. sitting on a Saturday night with our headliners, you know, them going, boy, I'm, I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to draw more. We just did two half full shows, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I wish I could have done better. And, and in the same way, we're apologetic to the headliners going, ah, oh, I'm sorry. We weren't able to promote this enough to where, you know, uh, and so we kind of would leave going, boy, we had great shows, but we kind of leave a little bummed out that we weren't full. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go a different direction and started going more of a, a showcase uh, 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 direction on the on the weekends, on a Friday and Saturday, where we started doing these 10 comic shows. Um, right. During July, uh, uh, it's the birthday month of the club. The club opened on July 5th, 1978. And mm-hmm. in July, we celebrate that by having... Uh, shows that feature 20 performers doing like five minutes each. And we do that each night throughout July. And so those have become the most uh, popular shows in the most popular month of the year for us. They they always sell out. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to take a little bit of that. The audience seemed to be wanting uh, uh, more acts doing a little bit less time. Um, The concern was that, hey, are we going to get the same quality of acts coming down? Will our headliners buy into that system and still come down on their nights off? And, uh, or are we going to be left with maybe some lesser tier comics and the shows not be as, as great since they're mm-hmm. doing less time and making less money. Right. Uh, but instead it, it, everybody just wanted to be at the club, no matter, you know, what was going on. So our, our the quality of the show stayed up. What happened is, uh, this is the long form answer to this, is that Mm -hmm. it branded the club more. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to see Gerard Carmichael, you're now saying, hey, we're going to the Comedy and Magic Club. It doesn't matter who's on the show. We always have a great time. Right. And so it wasn't so much about listing the performers and who's going to be on the shows as the selling point. Uh, It was about the brand of the club and the brand became a little bit stronger. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I say our, our numbers are down. Thankfully, we've still been selling out on the weekend shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just not adding extra shows or uh, our, our weeknights. Like right now, a Thursday will probably be tonight. Or I'm sorry, tomorrow will probably be, a, you know, we'll sell 120 tickets instead of 250. It's, it's a 250 seat room. Right, right, right. I mean, I concur with that. The branding being so strong. I mean, I often I like what I visualize of the scene, like, I, it's actually harder to get past at the Comedy and Magic Club than it is the store or the improv because there's not really a clear path. Like, you know, the, both the store and the improv have open mics and, like, this sort of, like, farm system internally. Right. Um, and you guys just sit out in the beautiful beach city of Hermosa Beach and, like, well, you know, um, you can if you know someone, maybe yeah. that's well, a start. I. I hate that perception because I do try to be proactive. I run around to the other clubs. I, I don't spend a lot of time, to be honest with you, at like the improv or the comedy store. Well, I'll go to the to the improv a little bit right. more often than I will the comedy store or the Laugh Factory. Sure. There, there's just too many acts uh, up there. This is uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to put down these venues in any way right. uh, but there's a lot of acts that go up there and are just very loose playing around and uh-huh. uh, just seem to be working on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and those venues are very lucky they, they, and well-deserved. They get some huge name acts, the biggest names in the business, but those acts are going to those clubs to work out material. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's a little bit uh, um, more beneficial for me to go see acts where audiences are paying uh, uh, to see those acts. So if I go to uh, 
Irvine, Brea, or Ontario Improvs. If right. I go to Flappers, uh, when the Ice House was open, and it, it'll hopefully be open at the beginning of the year when that reopens. Right. Uh, and venues like that where, you know, people are paying to come see these acts, and the acts take it a little bit more serious because they're making a little bit more money. Uh, right. It's easier for me to run and see those acts. So I do try to get out a little bit and see uh, uh, acts live because that's the best way. Right. And then right. always accept. Yeah, always accepting uh, uh, videos and and, uh, and links and whatnot. But it's difficult. We're the mainstream room, so we look for acts that work on the clean side. So that mm -hmm. uh, uh, limits some acts. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, there seems to be more and more acts that um, will work a little bluer or dirtier than uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, than before. And because there's more uh, uh, work available for them. It used to be, hey, you have to work clean if you're going to get on TV. Right. And now TV is not necessarily the driving force it was. Yeah. Uh, and there's plenty of uh, uh, networks that, that don't care anymore that, that are, you know, the cable networks and whatnot. So, right. And streaming is so powerful now. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they're not, they don't have any like safe Harbor hours or anything like that. Oh, which, which is great. It, it, it allows so many more acts to be heard and so many more voices to be uh, uh, heard. So, right. Uh, but the but the comedy magic club always looks for put on acts and has a reputation for working on the clean side and being the mainstream room, looking for performers that uh, will reach as large an audience as possible instead of a little niche audience. And sure. so, uh, and we're lucky we we get uh, what I like to think is the best of the best. And mm -hmm. there's a limited number of spots, and thankfully we have you know a lot of acts across the world that want to work at the club. And so there's right. a, a big pool for us to choose from. And so it is tough to I think uh, uh, get regular spots at the club. We're in Los Angeles. It's it's tough at all the major clubs. Right. You know? right. How would you define clean, Richard? For you? Uh, for the well. I'm booking for the club. And so uh, for the for the comedy and magic club, uh, it's uh, not using so much language that anyone might consider anything offensive and not doing too uh, uh, going too sexually graphic in any way. And even sometimes uh, um, some stories about like even drug use uh, can can get a little bit go off kilter a little bit. So. Right. Uh, it, it's truly the content. There's sometimes acts will, you'll hear somebody say, oh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't use any dirty words, but you're like, oh, you're, you're talking about, you know, saying teabagging or dipping my, you know, uh, 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 whatever term you want to use for testicles into, you know, and it's just kind of like, uh, the whole subject matter is, you know, just not appropriate. We have our, our age group at the club, we're, we're 18 and over, and we probably have a little bit older audience than most because sure. of uh, the cleanliness aspect. And we do a lot of corporate work mm -hmm. and we do a lot of uh, uh, charity work. And so you get a lot of people who come to the club or brought in either by friends or brought in for by organizations or a charity. And people might not, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, you're at a comedy club. You should expect, you know, this kind of stuff. Right. At the same time, those people are there going, hey, no, I'm here supporting joe's cancer fundraiser right and we just want to have a good time yeah and so we get a lot of families we get you know mm -hmm. a 21 year old sitting there with their 50 year old dad and you mm -hmm. just go hey i just want both of them to be happy and have a good time and those are the acts that we kind of look for right right and i i feel like that tracks with like hermosa beach is you know a little more affluent because it's you know on the Absolutely. beach and definitely you know i would say that it has um 
Yeah, I mean, families like live there. That's not to say that, you know, I want to ask you about Bellflower because that is a place where there's a lot of homes. I mean, it's, I think, dead center in this suburban sprawl of Los Angeles before you get to Orange County. Yeah. But um, I feel like in Bellflower, you probably don't have to think about clean the same way. Uh, Not not as it's not as tight there. Uh, The Bellflower room, the the owners still prefer, hey, they want to be proud of what they're doing. Sure. And, and, and the performers that they put on stage. Uh, that's one thing we've learned. There's been a, a couple of acts that have gone off a little bit. I have, we haven't been as, as stressing the, the cleanliness aspect there. We want to have a little bit more uh, uh, freedom for the comics to explore there. But at the same time, uh, uh, worried that we, they don't, no one, no one wants a customer walking up being offended over right. anything, you know? Right, right, uh, so right. funny rules and uh, uh you know most people won't complain about stuff being funny but at the same time we're in a, a a time period where people tend to get over upset right. about everything and everybody's got a voice right now and they want to speak up and be heard sure 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 i i will never my my dad my dad is such a walking set of contradictions he's voted for trump twice but he loves eddie Izzard, which makes no sense to <laughs> right. also listens to bts who is this person <laughs> um but we saw eddie at largo and my dad very much enjoyed it but after the show he's like that that was great except you know when he when he when eddie started making fun of um god and bush you know i don't think he should have done that i don't think that was right and i had to explain to him like well, you enjoyed the other 55 minutes, right? Right. And he's like, yeah. Well, it's this is artistic expression. It's being presented to you in a way where you could take it or leave it. This is not, you know, a thing that you're like, I have to believe and I have to accept or whatever. No comics is expecting you to agree with everything they say up there. Yeah. Half of them are saying stuff just to get you, you know, under your skin a little bit sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's Bilber's whole thing. It's like, I yeah. want to... Antagonize a little bit. Yeah, it's always fascinating. I've seen, like, so if he goes to the South, he'll make fun of, like, guns. And if he, like, goes to, like, Silver Lake or something here in L.A., he'll talk about, like, um, feminism. Like, sure. he just, I want to press a button. Absolutely. Brilliant acts, both of those guys, Isard and, and, and Burr. Uh, but, yeah, they're that's that's their brand, you know? Yeah. As they, they certainly... Uh, uh, take a point and run with it, even if it's not politically correct. And often because it's not politically correct. Right. And I, that's where I feel like there's a big gray area. Like, of course people want to go to a comedy show to have a good time, but everybody's good time is defined differently. And some people, the part of their good time is watching a performance that it kind of paints with more emotional colors uh, or gets, I mean, literally more blue um and well that's what makes this 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 job so difficult right you know is these performers trying to again usually trying to reach out to as broad an audience as possible uh some acts become successful enough where they have a crowd that's seeking out exactly what they're doing and they, mm-hmm. they're pretty much speaking to the choir i guess yeah uh, but uh, um for most when you're starting off yeah it's 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 what makes it difficult is you have an entire group of strangers in front of you right. with different backgrounds and different beliefs right. and trying to get them all to laugh at the same topic and same joke can be a, a, a challenge. And so that's why this job is not easy and why not everybody does it. Right. And so how do you navigate that 
on your end, especially because you're there are essentially two different voices that you're booking for. Right. Uh, you just look at, like I said, kind of funny trumps everything. And so you're looking for acts that, that again, that are almost bulletproof and can walk into any situation, you know? Uh, um, I, I remember this is over a decade ago, but like when, when UCB was kind of in its heyday and as the, the, the king of the alternative, you know, rooms in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And someone was saying that uh, Tom Papa was going up there to do a set and they were like, Oh, they're going to hate him Mm -hmm. because it's all so prepared. And so, you know, not off the cuff and loose. And I'm like, Oh, a guy like that, his act is just so strong. <clears throat> and so you know tight that he'll be fine you know he, he would be fine and i bet he was yeah yeah and, and it's just like oh because he's just a, it's a strong act that when you listen to it and you watch you just go oh it's funny and you know it, it's so I, I i think that the funniness can always those guys those people will always work you know it's it's, it's brian regan being appreciated by act by by audiences that um might normally like a a, a dirtier or, or, or bluer act, you know. Sure. Joe Rogan fan can still enjoy a Brian Regan show, you know. Right. Uh, you don't you don't sit there and go, gosh, he's just not talking about you know uh, uh, anything dirty or sex or anything. It's like, right. no, no, you're just laughing. You don't care. Right, right. And I mean, you know, I think Jim Gaffigan's like that. And Absolutely. Yeah, you know, this reminds me. I I, I think it, it's not like oh, the I perhaps the year you're talking about with UCB, but I was hanging with somebody where we're just walking by UCB Franklin and he, uh, for whatever reason, Bobby Lee was walking by and he's like, Oh my God, Bobby Lee, I am such a big fan. And my friend asked him, he's like, Hey, why don't you ever play here? And Bobby, I mean, this is one of the interesting things about performers that, you know, people see as fearless. Um, he was like, Oh, this place scares me. Yeah. I, 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 there, it's so cool. And I'm like, what are you talking I mean, if he just told a story, which I think is the most interesting thing that Bobby does this day is when he tells stories from his life. Sure. Um, he would be fine. Yeah. No, it, Bobby's an interesting case because he is a phenomenal performer. And yes, when you see him on stage, one of the one of the descriptive Ooh. words you would use is fearless. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's getting down to his underwear. Uh, yeah. Uh, for his closer for, for years. Uh, uh, so certainly fearless in that regard. Uh, and he will talk about anything and everything often with himself as the punchline or the one being embarrassed in the situation. Right. Uh, but he is also a little bit uh, uh, worried about going to some venues. And he, he's always one of those guys that's worried how the show is going to go and will they like me? And uh, uh, that's a very powerful part, but that's probably what drives him and makes him work so hard as well. Cause right. he's a hardworking that guy is is everywhere. Great actor, uh, mm-hmm. great podcaster, great comic, and uh, uh, it's not easy to be good at all those things. No, and it's even interesting now. Now in this time, he, seeing him on a show that is with like gravitas, like Reservation Dogs, and still he fits in, but he's still very much him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he's what a what a fantastic act, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see where you know. Years from now, people look back in this area, how some of these guys age, how, how some of these guys kind of fit in and what their mm-hmm. roles were and who gets appreciated and who kind of falls by the wayside. Right. Um, 
I feel like the stand-up comedy club is still not as known of an entity as it could be. How? Sure. So tell me how that sort of came about, how they brought you on board. Yeah, um, the owner, uh, John Jirius and his wife, Scarlett, they're wonder wonderful folks, but they used to do a, John used to, was a, a partner in a magazine called The Stand-Up Magazine. And oh, yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah, so that's why it's called The Stand-Up Comedy Club, uh, mm. by the way. Um, but he, he, he did the magazine, and he uh, his family has a barbecue restaurant in uh, Bellflower. And uh, the building next to to it uh, was a community theater for uh, uh, like for children. Oh, okay. And the couple that ran it um, were at an age where they were pretty much done. And John saw an opportunity and talked to the city and was able to open a, a comedy club there. It was just always a dream of him. He's a huge comedy fan. Oh, cool. uh, he absolutely loves it. And um, they were getting ready to open a uh, just before the pandemic. And then they weren't able to open then. Wow. Um, I I had met John uh, through the magazine. He had come down to the club. They had done an event with Maz Jabrani at our club. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had reached out uh, saying, hey, uh, I'm gonna be opening this club. When I open it, I wanna have a good relationship with all the other clubs. And mm -hmm. I, I love going to your club. I'd love to chat with you at some point and have you come check out our, our, our room and, and see what you think. Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic happened, uh, there was a lot of free time. And uh, um, because Bellflower and uh, uh, the club are only maybe a, an eight minute drive from my house, it was very easy mm -hmm. for me to go over and see the place. And John and I hit it off. And at the time, he was going to um, have another booker uh, uh, doing it. But uh, unfortunately, he had some some health issues. Mm -hmm. And so John was like, hey, if, you know, anybody you would recommend or would you even consider, you know, uh, helping us out? And uh, the, the Comedy Magic Club was closed at the time. And so I told John, hey, I could devote myself, you know, uh, uh, plenty of hours right now. Uh, once Comedy and Magic opens up, that becomes my priority and I'll become less of a, a fixture at your club and more of a the booker, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and <clears throat> help you there. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh started uh, helping them out and we were able to get this thing up and running and been very proud of the shows we've been putting on there right and right it's a very different audience it's a working class crowd mm -hmm. um heavy uh, uh hispanic area probably half yes. the audience is hispanic mm -hmm. uh, those are the acts that tend to draw well there the acts that appeal to them the willie barcenas and jeff mm -hmm. garcia's and momo rodriguez have all done very good business and at the same time we have craig shoemaker this week and, right. and he sold out last time he was there yeah uh and so uh, good solid acts are getting work down there and we're having having fun what what about acts like uh jesus trejo is he playing jesus has been there yeah he's wonderful yeah. good uh thankfully for him or fortunately for him he's on the road a ton right now right, uh right, you right. know as he's seeing a lot of success but he's wonderful he grew up in long beach so he's from right. that area and right. uh um yeah, he's a Long Beach Wilson guy, I think. And uh, uh, right, what a, what a I don't think there's anyone in comedy that isn't happy for his success. He no. is just a truly wonderful guy and a really funny comic who's unique. And uh, those are the acts that you go, yeah, man, I want this guy to succeed. Absolutely, and it's like he he rose in a way where it's like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to work. Yeah, he, he worked really hard. He got really funny. Yeah, he's and, a grinder. He did any type of show around town and yeah. always did well and learned how to perform in front of any audience. And then 
I think uh, uh, Burke Kreischer took him out on the road for a while, and that's right. playing to a totally different audience than a lot of the shows he was doing here in Los Angeles, and right. helped him establish himself around the country, and then he started touring on his own, and it's, it's been nice. Did the Tonight Show, I believe, and, right. uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good success story in comedy. Right. So you said Comedy Magic's four nights a week. Is that the same with Stand-Up Comedy Club? Uh, Stand-Up Comedy Club, they do an open mic on Wednesdays and then mm -hmm. usually are open Thursday through Saturday with the spot show on like a, a Sunday or an off night here or there as well. But yeah, typically four nights over there as well, Wednesday through Saturday. Though. Yeah, and it are, is that following this uh, hybrid showcase headliner on the weekend model? or Yeah, so uh, it's a combination of some uh, promoted headliner shows on the weekends and then mm -hmm. the, the signature show for the club mm -hmm. would be... Um, usually a, a host maybe one or two acts doing seven minutes each and mm -hmm. then uh, uh three acts doing uh 15 to 20 minutes each cool um what do you what do you see down the road for that club i mean i mean it's interesting because comedy magic has such a storied history behind yeah. it and like you know like we were saying that is the brand is so strong that people are like oh i'm just gonna go to the comedy magic club right um I'm sure you would like to get the stand-up comedy club to that point. And so what's the road to that? There's work to be done there. You know, uh, uh, word of mouth is your best advertising tool, but it's also your slowest. Yeah. And uh, so the, the club is in a, a building stage and uh, it's heading in the right direction, thankfully. Um, it's just a, a matter of time as more and more people find out that it's there. There, there aren't uh, uh, alternative, you know, uh, alternatives in the area. Uh, it's not a crowd that tends to drive up to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, no. There's a lot of people there that love the idea that there's something local that they can go in and be comfortable in and have a good time and right. see a, a, a lineup that is comparable to any of the Hollywood clubs. Right. And using those same acts. Absolutely. And yeah, and then they don't have to, they don't have to drive to Hollywood or Irvine or Brea or Ontario. There's a ton of parking there. It's it's mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to get to. Uh, it's very freeway friendly. It's right there, 91 and the 605 freeways. Right, right, right. So you know those are all all benefits. And there's a ton of people that live in the area. Right. Um, that again, just you know, usually have to travel a decent amount of you know uh, miles to get to the entertainment uh, venues. I mean, that's always the challenge. You know, it's interesting on just like like alternative room site or indie room, like just places that aren't strictly a comedy club it's so strange that it, it's like it's hard to get people out because of course it is but in la there's just such a wealth of people everywhere yeah that it's like what what do i got to do to get you out like if i talk to you face to face you'd be like comedy show that sounds fun and then it's like why is no one here you know right. and getting people out of the house is a challenge and then when they are out of the house they have uh, the option to do everything in Los Angeles, you mm -hmm. know, uh, th there's nothing that, that isn't out here. So they have all, all the opportunities in the world. You want to go skiing? Yeah, you can go skiing. You want to, you know, go into the water and go in the water. Yeah. And you can do both in the same day. That's right. It's the beauty of Los Angeles. It's the beauty of Los Angeles. How about some comedy news? Sure. Great. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, 
we're going to jump around here a little bit and maybe we won't even get to all the stories. But uh, first off, let's start um, by honoring uh, Judy Tenuta, rest in peace, who uh, just passed away uh, after a long battle with ovarian cancer. Um, very, I, I, I would say not, not even as like, oh, I would dare to say, I would say that uh, Judy very much was a groundbreaking comedian. And if you go watch tapes, you'll see influences of even some of the weirdest people today. Such a unique act, you yeah. know. Uh, um, it, you mentioned the word earlier, uh, uh, fearless. Yeah. Boy, can you imagine going up there to you know some some comedy club audiences with 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 that act you know knowing uh, that oh they're gonna look at you and think you're a little bit different and a little strange and a little weird you know right i right. do it knowing you're that good yeah the first like just even the first second uh, of your of judy's voice coming out knowing that like all right that's gonna hit their ears and that's gonna match or go against that's what they're seeing yeah and just running out onto the stage carrying this giant accordion that says Judy, as well as this usually flowing type of dress with just, yeah. you know, stuff everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe everyone, every comedian like that will eventually get a documentary. It feels like we're marching towards that. But uh, Judy definitely, I don't think gets brought up enough in conversation when you're talking about innovators, people who are influential. Like I remember just watching a clip that I, I think Comedy Dynamics put or 800 Pound Gorilla put on there. One of them uh, put on their YouTube channel. And I'm like, oh, I I, <laughs> I see like influence, like how Lizzie Cooperman is got influenced by this, just like banging a piano after like punchlines. Right. And never actually playing any songs. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, that was a, a really different type of performer. And she does kind of get lost a little bit in, in the 80s. Some of the acts that went on to have more success that are that are female, the Ellens and, right. uh, you know, Rosie O'Donnell's. And I guess, you know, like, you know Paula Poundstone right. are, are, are the ones you think of. And Judy, you, you know, she won some awards and she was recognized. And all certainly all of her peers thought highly of her, but just right. not, uh, somebody that, yeah, that a lot of people talked about until recently. So, yeah. So, uh, well, rest rest in peace. Absolutely. And, yeah. We, we lost a very very funny lady. Very very funny lady. That yeah. It, it again. It is so fascinating to see an act like that on such a big stage. But that's you know the sort of ground that she broke. Also, in a way where like, you know, um, Judy is not a white person but like it in that it's like important to note because like her act was more about her being weird than it was like asian which depending on who you talk to is sort of like the goal where like you're 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 you have agency over your own identity in your comedy in a way where it's like i don't have to keep playing chocolate sundaes or whatever right or you know like because that's all that people see they can just see someone who's funny and then there's this all these other different layers about them that i can i, I can talk about whenever i want yeah i think you, you 
she was very good at showing the person and her uniqueness and, and what made her special versus falling into whether it's any other stereotypes or preconditioned thoughts about uh, anyone. Yeah. And I, I think that's great because that's what we're in theory. That's what we're pushing for. I always yeah. re remember Keegan-Michael Key was interviewed during uh, the height of Key and Peele. And he said something to the effect of like, what I hope for for our show in the future is that people watch it and they don't get why we did this. That like we progressed so far that like our premises are just ridiculous in a way that it, people will have no reference point for. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we got a long way to go for that to be true. <laughs> All right, so like, yeah, racism doesn't exist 500 years from now. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, would... um, I, I'm curious about your take, especially as someone who books and manages clubs. So New York-based comedian Ariel uh, Elias um, has made uh, gone viral because of uh, a specific heckling video uh, that, that came about at a show in uh, Florida, I believe. Um, uh, I think it was up in, in New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey? Okay. Yeah. yeah it was, um, it, she wasn't playing New York. Uh, so it, it was at a club and she was getting heckled uh, and then commented that uh, the the audience member who was talking um, asked him if he was a Trump voter. And then uh, after a bit more back and forth, uh, a beer was like thrown at the stage, presumably aimed at her head. It missed, but she picked up the beer and then chugged it. And uh, that video has uh, gone viral. Uh, and ch charges have been pressed against the um, the audience member that threw the beer, which I, I believe is also the husband, actually the husband of the person who was originally heckling. Right. And um, she is not pressing charges, uh, but she is now going to make her late night debut on Jimmy Kimmel live from this incident, uh, which is what a great ending. But it's like, I wish things like this wouldn't have to happen to for people to get a break, you know? Of course. It's, a, it's not a... It's, it's an ugly situation all around, you know? Uh, I don't know Ariel, but I thought she handled herself really well. Yeah. Um, she was, she, I guess she had opened up the Florida discussion and, and, and this lady was kind of just badgering her about her political beliefs. And she tried to avoid it and not make it about that, you know? She wasn't right. obviously pushing some agenda there. She was just kind of deflecting and trying not to escalate the situation. And right. I actually thought she did a decent job of that. It's just that, you know, I'm assuming this person had, you know, a, a, a few beers in them and, <laughs> um, you know, just was not having a good time or, or having a bad day in general. Who knows what the background is, and you know, what, what was happening there, but uh, mm -hmm. totally uncalled for that. That stuff should never happen. It's, it's tough. Cause you know, as a venue, you, you, you want to say, Hey, um, what can you do? And oftentimes you're kind of limited. It's nice to say, Hey, you should have, thrown the person out right away but it was the the performer said hey i, I asked for questions and 
this girl started talking to me, you know? Right. right. Uh, so you have to let them have a little bit of leeway back and forth sure. uh, there. You're not just going to toss somebody for, for, for talking to the, to the comic in that way. They weren't interrupting the show uh, apparently. Um, right. It's when they and- keep talking and trying to figure out where that line is like, okay, now you're making the show about you. Yeah. And, 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 and the performance, she tried to, you know, kind of shut it down a little bit. And, you know, even when the, the girl said, nobody's telling me to be quiet, she said, oh, I think the rest of the crowd would like you to be quiet. And the crowd applauded. And right. and you would hope that kind of, okay, she'll fall back into line and like the rest of the show hopefully was and and, and, and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but something was going on over there. And, you know, trying to stop somebody in the moment, the last thing you expect is them to pick mm-hmm. something up and throw it, right. you know? It's yeah. Not- Something we see all the time. It happens uh, on occasion. It's happened at our club. It's happened at other clubs. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, you, you do your best to prevent that stuff. But in the moment, there's some things that happen. You just go, oh, thank God she didn't get hit by it. You know, right. she, she played it cool. You know, she picked it up and, and, and took a sip from it and was just trying to show, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I almost felt like a, a uh, I was at the dog park last night and watching my dog, like looking at this other dog, just kind of staring it down, trying to show a little dominance. And I feel like, you know, when Ariel picked up the, the can and drank it, that's kind of what she was trying to show. Like, hey, you can't harm me. I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> right. I'm in this moment and right, right. good for her. And it'll nice for Kimmel to reach out. Um, it'll be interesting to see, is she going to perform stand-up comedy or is she just going to go on and talk about the incident? Uh, yeah. Able to perform. I hope she's ready and has has fun. You know, she'll she'll be ready. I mean, uh, Ariel, I believe got new faces last year at uh, JFL, and is highly regarded in like New York. Oh, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, this so, is a good start for her and, and or, or continuation. If right, not, right. Uh, I I'm I'm curious. Do you have an official policy at? Uh, either club like you know something that's said at the top of every show about like talking or what you know heckling yeah we ask to keep table talk to a minimum and that there's no heckling and we make an announcement prior to the shows uh you know and you just have to look some there's some acts that talk to the crowd Jimmy mm-hmm. Brogan, Ian Bag, Jeremy Hotz, you know, the, uh, yeah. Harlan Williams, they expect responses from you. It's it's yeah. a it's a back and forth with the right. audience. Right. And there's others who are you know, uh, uh, have put together basically a monologue that they're performing. Yeah. You know? uh, so it's a little bit different and, and every show is a little bit different. And you don't want to, you know, be so restrictive on the audience that they can't have a good time and enjoy right. themselves. And that's, right. you know, you want some energy in the room. And sometimes, you know, you, you have to allow a little bit of talking, sure. you know? Yeah. I do wonder though, sometimes it's like, you know, how many more years does stand-up comedy have to be an art form for people to learn that in general, unless you're being talked to, don't talk. We got a long way to go. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, we're in a day and age where everyone has an opinion now and everyone feels they should be heard. Social media has, you know, made that tenfold. Yeah, well, I mean, that's where it's you should add, like, for the stand-up comedy club, like, all right, you know, we have an open mic on Wednesdays. You can come in, sign up if you really want to talk, you know? Absolutely right, yeah. Uh, uh, find out how difficult it is. <laughs> that's actually Jackie Cation's origin story. She heckled Sam Kinison when he, when he played some club in Wisconsin to the point where, like, all right, you know what? 
there's an open mic we do every week. Go sign up for that. And she's oh, like, you know what? I'll, I will. And what a great comic she's become. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great story. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would there ever be an open mic at Comedy Magic Club or no? Or like something? Probably not. Yeah. You know, just from a business perspective, it's very difficult to make money off. You don't want to be one of these places that's charging performers to pay to play or charging right. them. Um, you know, having a food and drink minimum, uh, getting a, I don't know the proper term, getting a crowd out to pay to see acts like that can be difficult. That's not going to happen in LA. Yeah. And so uh, just from a, a business model, it would be t- tough to open the doors for, for that. Right. Uh, it could be very beneficial for the club and, right. and help build a little starter system. And I'm sure there's plenty mm-hmm. of acts that would love if I'm dropping in that room and can watch them and give them some, some feedback. Okay, uh, sure. But uh, even at the clubs that do do open mics, that doesn't tend to happen a lot. Right. And if it does, it's advertised. Like I know Rita at the improv makes it a, a point for like, I think uh, at this evening at the, the evening of the day we're recording, she will sit through the mic take notes and if you want it if you want to hear her thoughts she'll give them to you yeah yeah she has thoughts <laughs> she has thoughts capital t thoughts <laughs> what a wonderful wonderful lady man yeah absolutely um i also want to note that like it seems that there's this uh, sort of public perception that there's like a new spate of comedians getting it attacked this is not a new thing comedians have been attacked on stage for since stand-up comedy was a thing yeah um but hopefully it's you know it continues to be rare we were worried after yeah. the will smith chris rock thing that you know mm-hmm. are people going to be walking up on stage and you know it hasn't seemed to really happen but you know hey, a couple years before that you got you know over in england jim jeffries getting punched on stage and you know right. it happens here and there there's there's idiots everywhere and you know right. a knucklehead in every room it seems right even with the, like, I, again, I feel like comedy magic rec- club requires, I mean, it has such a storied history and carries so much respect. on. I feel like if you guys had a dress code, like the uh, magic castle, people would be like, yeah, that makes sense. You don't. Well, maybe now. <laughs> Although, it's interesting. Cause I, I laugh. I, I think a lot of the people that live at the beach, don't like to be told what to do. I guess no one does, you know, yeah, right, but, right, right. you know, it's like either whether you're the, uh, the beach going guy, who's just like, whatever, dude, or mm. if you're the guy who lives at the beach because you made a whole lot of money and you can afford that lifestyle. They also don't like to be told. What to do. <laughs> no, no, no. Hermosa wasn't the most, uh, I'll just put it this way. Wasn't the most, uh, uh mask wearing, uh, town in LA when, mm. uh, when we were all required to wear masks. Sure. Was the thought there? They're like, oh, we're just outside, so it's fine. It's just that they don't like to be told what to do. Right. Either have too much money and say I'm the boss, or they're just too carefree. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of like almost the middle ground in between the 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 left up in LA and the right down in Orange County. It's kind of like this weird middle ground where they're, you know, a little bit of both. (laughs) Right. Right. Is that part of why comedy magic club was one of the last places to like reopen? Yeah. Part of, part of why? 
it, um, a little bit, and then also just um, trying to figure out how we were going to sustain ourselves financially. Mm -hmm. People weren't going to the comedy clubs back in, in, in droves. No. And so it was about trying to be very smart and kind of wait this out until we felt safe in a small setting right. with a, a, a number of people and from both an employee and customer and performer uh, um, state. Right. Cause you didn't want to do a start stop thing. And I mean, like. No, and, and it took a while, you know, there was a lot of these outside shows that, that did well, Supernova and, and mm -hmm. some of the other shows that, that did well. And when the clubs opened, there was certainly, Hey, an excitement and people coming back, but um you know, nobody was back doing the business they were. The comedy store probably the closest to to doing good business, but they weren't they weren't doing the numbers that they were previously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the other clubs were doing a lot of giveaways and a lot of discounted tickets and whatnot. And right. so it, it's still been a little bit of a, a struggle to get people out because sit in a, a, a tight space. And, and that's what comedy needs. It needs a, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, you are supposed to be sat closely together and and you know uh in a tight area in a small room you yeah, know for, for yeah. a comedy to be the best we always said those were the best rooms you know absolutely that's yeah. st still to this day almost uh, like one of my favorite places to watch purely stand-up is the back room of bar lubich because it's so tiny yeah. and tight and uh, separate you, from the bar you feel the people around you. Yeah. It's very easy to get caught up in, you know, the, the laughter and the fun and the people around you, their energy just is contagious. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, man, that's that. Yeah, I can only imagine that, you know, it, it's, I mean, you're just placing bets either way, whether you want to like wait it out or, you know, I, I know with the store and a lot of clubs that, tried like we're just trying to get people back as soon as possible like they would you know when omicron hit any of the variants like they would have to like cut back and that's yeah. that's got to be so difficult and it's like i i don't think there's necessarily the 100 percent white right answer either way no there wasn't any blueprints or directions on what we had to do and when you're cutting back you're dealing with you know your employees and whatnot it's very very difficult you know yeah. Um, and, and, and there wasn't any right answers or wrong answers. You just had to make decisions to kind of move forward. So it's very difficult for all those clubs coming back. Right. Um, and the stand-up comedy club was supposed to open in 2020. And then when did it actually open? It opened uh, in 2021. In Officially in November, we did a, a, a run of shows, some soft opening shows leading up to that. Right, right, right. And so what was what led into deciding to re or open that at that time uh a desire to get open as soon as possible right okay uh, because they were trying to open up prior to the pandemic and then closing down so they were ready to go mm -hmm. and it was just a matter of hey when can we legally open and and get up and running and right. uh, uh get everything they they needed to to, to open up um, okay so cool. yeah yeah the comedy chateau I had the same sort of the same schedule. Like the the guy had bought, I think, what it was a French restaurant um, before lockdown. It was geared to open it up in probably March twenty twenty, and then 
somehow had it survived without it even opening, which is also, I guess, a miracle. And then now it's uh, an, another club in the Valley. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, again, from a just a, a business standpoint, how that club does. They're, they're, they're uh, um, doing a lot of bringer shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. almost entirely showcase, no headliner stuff. Yeah, it seems to be their business model, uh, um, and I, I, you know, I, I know their numbers are up and down, up and down. They seem to be all over the place, and they just haven't, whether they just haven't found something that's strong, everyone, or, or found that that who they are. You know, I, I don't know yet. Right, right. Who they are? Right? I, I wish them success. You know, yeah, Look, yeah, sure, sure, there sure. There needs to be more places in town for acts mm-hmm. to work, especially at that stage, you know, they're using a lot of acts that are starting out. Uh, so you'd like a, 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 a more places for acts to be able to get up on real stages mm-hmm. in front of real crowds. Uh, so that's a big plus. Can't wait for the ice ice house to come back. That'll keep yeah, another but- group of performers uh, with some money in their pockets for staying in town. So that's a plus. So right. uh, uh, the more venues, the better. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, and wait, do you know why the, ice house has waited so long it's like a permit issue right now right yeah you know i actually went up there about a month ago and met with a uh uh johnny bus and the new gm and uh wonderful people and they're so excited about getting open and there's they've done they've made so many changes uh to the place that uh and it's still in progress there's there's a lot of construction that still needs to happen but it's going to look fantastic and um they have a, a really good idea of what they're doing up there and i i, I think everyone that walks in is going to be like wow this is a, a what a cool uh, number of changes that they made to the place awesome. uh, the second room is going to be a little bit larger and, and bigger and uh a little bit more versatile this is the stage yeah. can be uh, uh, removed and, and be more uh-huh. of a, a bigger room right. the, the main room has been adjusted a little bit um mm-hmm. and still kept some of the the, the the uniqueness of it and then they added a uh, like a back kind of like a, a vip suite that's oh, in the back of the room that i thought was going to be it, it didn't make sense to me listening to it. They, they have like a private room that is soundproof back there where you can hear the comics and see the performance in the back of the room, but uh, it's soundproof. So you can talk and have your party back there while it's oh. going on. And I thought that that would feel very separated from the rest of the room, but because yeah. the ice house is so small, mm-hmm. it's right. It's still right there. Right. And so uh, I think it actually has a chance to, to work and they can bring in their VIPs and let people back there who want to, Heckle and make all those noises. Hopefully they'll sit back there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so it's not a green room, but it's... It oh, it's, it's actually like, I think they're going to see like a, a, like maybe it's up to 20 people. I'm hoping I'm not spoiling anything for them. I think they've put this out there, but like, yeah, yeah it's like a, a, your own private room to watch the show. That feels like, I feel like the Hollywood Laugh Factory has something like that upstairs. There's like that balcony and then there's a room behind that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if... Uh, uh, if you can see the show from there right well it's, you know, watching the show from the balcony is also weird yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like did you ever go to the old uh john lovitz club <laughs> oh yeah Virgil? formerly the bb king blues club yeah yeah that that had like three different tiers of yes. seating and and 
it just kind of looking down. I just remember the first time I walked in there, I just go, oh, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> no, it's not. And this gigantic island backdrop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so crazy. It's like, I get that, you know, you're dealing with something that was purely a music venue before this, but you could you try a little bit more than that? Yeah, that, 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 that was a tough room to make work. It was, I, it was going to be a struggle to make that room work. It, it just wasn't ideal for them. Yeah, I mean, I not to mention that I think they were excited by Universal. Yeah, yeah. but then that that is like for tourists, that's great. But yeah. like for people that live in LA, going to Universal City is like a huge hassle. Yeah, well, they were trying to do like a deal with parking and stuff, and and you know, in in their minds, they they were making finding solutions for the problems. But I think everyone just saw the problems. Yeah, and and it's it's even when you park, it's hard to find. Yeah, it's a big place. It's a real, real big place. Um, what, uh, what do you, what do you like? I, I'm always curious, especially from your vantage point, because like you live in Long Beach, you book clubs in uh, Bellflower and Hermosa Beach. What, what is your perspective on the lay of the land in the LA comedy scene and how things are going? I mean, things are, I would say, ninety five percent back. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a weird time in that, and I don't know how much of this was because of the pandemic, but um, with podcasting really blowing up like it did, mm-hmm. there seemed to be a lot of, in the clubs, the acts that they think are going to sell tickets have a following because of the podcasting. Right. Not necessarily are, are uh, booked there because of their stand-up prowess yet. Right. Um, and so that's that's something that's a, a little bit more across the country, I guess, than, than Los Angeles. But um, it's it's interesting that there's more and more in in the improvs and some of the clubs that you know where you go uh, a YouTube act is what they're referred to as, or or you know some of these podcasters doing stuff which isn't necessarily straight stand up comedy, but hey, if there's a, an audience for them. Then you know, uh, uh, good for them. But it's also tough for like a I'll call it a normal audience member, but an audience member who's not familiar with this person, sure. if they're going to come to see a show that night, and especially if they're, you know, just on the an improv mailing list, and it's like, hey, free tickets for this, and then you go in there, and it's not necessarily stand up or, or the strongest of stand up. That right. that can be kind of disappointing and not good for the art form. Right. Um, and, and again, they are, you know the leader in in the country in terms of you know uh, uh comedy clubs for a reason so uh, i'm not trying to you know uh, right. put them down uh there it's interesting again with the pandemic this next wave of stand-ups that's coming through uh, mm-hmm. i think definitely got affected and uh, i don't know how how to, how to how to put this looking where you go oh there's this where's the next group of young stand-ups going to come from that are going to be successful? Right. And uh, there's not like this group that's standing out to me right now that you go, Oh gosh, I can't wait to see, you know, where this act is going to be in, in five years. Uh, right. There's a handful, but not as many as it seemed uh, just a few years ago. Right. Um, and, and maybe that's because of some of the venues not coming back to UCBs and, and uh, uh, the ice house, and, you know? Right. 
I do think the pandemic has a lot to do with that because there, it seems over the last two, two years, I mean, people have been returning, performers have been returning to stages at a different pace. Um, And in that sort of march back to performing, everyone's at a different pace of getting their sea legs back or, and, you know, um, and then same goes, I guess, with like audiences too. Uh, With like, I mean, essentially getting used to going to see live comedy again. Yeah. And I wonder how many careers got derailed just because they were just starting out and they, you know, it, look, you're not going to make any money in LA until they're giving it all to you. So, yeah. you know, it, stand, starting standup is very difficult uh, mm-hmm. financially. And so a lot of people were leaving Los Angeles or just couldn't afford to be out here. And a lot of acts uh, had to find jobs that, you know, to just to make it through that time because it was so uncertain instead of maybe pursuing their dreams and, and, and being able to do that at that time period. Um, I w- and it'd be interesting how many acts that were starting off or just a year or two into the business and then jumped onto the Zoom shows, mm-hmm. uh, how much those helped them. Uh, hopefully they were still writing all the time and, and mm-hmm. it was performing in essence, but it wasn't standing in front of a group of people. And that can be very intimidating and very different than yeah, yeah. sitting at, in your house in front of a, a computer. Right. Um, so did that stunt those people a little bit, you know, right. um, and affect them. Uh, but there's more great acts than ever, and they're more accessible than ever. And mm-hmm. so, you know, on a nightly basis, it's amazing who you can see in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And um, what, whatever your taste is, mm-hmm. uh, it's available. And so uh, uh, that's what's neat about being out here and still what's so exciting. And there are new new names and new people coming up and coming out and you see them and you get excited about them. And, you know, you and I have been around for a while and we still get excited when you see somebody new and you're like, where did this guy or girl come from? Right. It's it's exciting to see. And, you know, it's what I I think what we both chase. Why we watch it so much because it's like, all right, I've, I've seen all this comedy. What could you possibly have for me? Right. Where I've and yet there there continues to be people that surprise and don't yeah. We all have our favorites and we love seeing how how acts progress. But when you just somebody just kind of pops up in front of you and you're kind of like whoa, and that's what you know the L.A. and New York scenes get a lot of because there's a lot of acts that kind of develop off the radar in mm-hmm. other cities that have right. great comedy communities, the Austins, the Houston's, the Minneapolis, and, mm-hmm. you know, Boston and right. Miami. And there's plenty of places that are sending great comics to the, that eventually move out to, to make something of themselves that, you know, you just go, where'd this guy come from? And they're like, I've been, I've been grinding for 10 years. What are you talking about? Where I come from? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Uh, us, they're new and they're exciting. And so, uh, uh yeah, thrive on that. Yeah, and I haven't seen all their material yet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which there are a lot of people that I love. Where it's like, yeah, I know you're on three shows this week. I mean, I could quote your act back. I've to seen you two of them. Want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, is there anybody who like who are the newest people that you have uh, working at the clubs that you're like so excited about? Um, I, again, not. Not new. It's just like there's there's acts over the last couple of years. Like since we reopened the pandemic um, for comedy and magic, like uh, uh, who was starting Jasmine Ellis out of Texas. Uh, great. Started using her. A couple 
guys that uh, had performed at the club before, but that have progressed, like an Andrew Lopez and Andrew right. Orolfo. Right. Uh, uh, Renee Percy uh, mm-hmm. has worked in the club. Um, Casey Conley uh, mm-hmm. is new yeah, for, yeah. for us. Right. Um, yeah, so there, there's a handful of acts that have just started making their way into the club and performing. And then plenty of acts that have, you know, just continued to impress. Uh, Will Burkhart is a young guy I, I, I like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to get a, a little new blood in there and a right. mix with the veterans. You know, we're lucky in that we're still the type of venue that is able to, to have the uh, uh, the veterans of the game still come through. Like, mm-hmm. just I'm just thinking in the past two weeks, I've had Kathy Ladman, right. Alan Havey, Jake Johansson, right. Right. Uh, Henry Cho was right. in town, Jeff right. Rothpan finally came back to the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are acts that were staples of the 80s and 90s that are still funny and still mm-hmm. working. And to have them mixed in with some of the younger acts mm-hmm. is uh, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I, I mean, stage time is always going to be a premium at in LA and New York. Um, and I think it's important for something that like, I feel like the comedy and magic club is definitely like an institution that it should be a mix of both. And I mean, to continue on forward is like, you know, you're going to have to bring in new blood. Yeah. Well, the club is a stepping stone for a lot of acts. We kind of consider it college and that, you know, you have to develop and go through high school and get to a certain level before you're going to be working the comedy and magic club. Right. Uh, it's, it's not a place where you're normally doing your, your, seeing your biggest growth. It's, it's not somebody yeah. that's helping a lot of the, the beginning acts. No. Uh, you have to get to a certain stage. And then when you're at that certain stage, uh, you, you'll, that's the place where you then, you know, develop those finishing touches that maybe, gets you to the bigger uh, venues and or TV and, 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 and film and stuff like that. And uh, it's nice to see those acts move on. And mm-hmm. at the same time, they come back and, and you know, you, you give back to your school every now and then. So right. uh, to still have, you know, we've, we've been lucky having Daniel Tosh and Bill Burr and Arsenio and, and you know, mm-hmm. Paul Reiser still popping into the club since we reopened has been a, a treat, you know? Right. And, and for those guys to think so highly of the club and to keep coming back uh, is nice. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I hope... Um... I hope you guys get, you're going to go aim for seven days a week at both places. Um, that would be ideal. It's, mm-hmm. it's always a little bit tough on your staff going that many days and you, you almost need a, a day off just to do, you know, business stuff yeah. right. and make sure nobody's working seven days a week and, and you know, just destroying themselves instead of uh, uh, being right. able to provide a happy service to, to customers. But you yeah, like yeah. to be open at least six days a week and be doing it full time and right. provide a living for a lot of people and a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of joy for a lot of customers, you know, so that, that that's the goal. Certainly, you know, absolutely. Well, I hope you get there sooner rather than later. That'd be nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I mean, definitely be, part of like the a growing scene for as many things that stopped or closed or ended there's like so many things that did open um and you know the stand-up comedy club is one of them and offering i mean if you just put comedy venues on a map i mean it really just stands out there on its own yeah it's, it's, it's there's nothing in the area and again it's i i think an area that's starved for for something like that 
So um, hopefully it'll continue doing well. We're very happy with it so far. We're, we've been very lucky in getting some mm -hmm. great acts through there and uh, the customers seem to be happy. So just need more people to know about it. So the standupclub.com, please uh, uh, come see us. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, yeah, Rich. This has been great. Anytime, pal. Uh, yeah. Oh, and thank you for, you know what, uh, uh, the service you provide to the comedy community too, because uh, it's nice to see someone who, like me is still excited after being <laughs> yeah. around this for so long and still, right. still uh, uh, you know, want everyone to do well and root for everybody. And you support so many people and, and, and kind of deliver a, a little taste of the news to us, as well as giving us, you know, a, a, a great place for a, a resource right. for acts and performers to figure out where they want to perform or who you want to, or even audience members to go, what you want to go see. So uh, yeah. thank you for doing that. It's something you've done for a long time now yeah. and it's a, a much appreciated in the comedy community and, and well, thank you. your, uh, your reputation is untarnished, my friend. Thank you very much. That means a lot. That made my day. Thanks man. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like one of my favorite things is like seeing, not only seeing somebody new, but seeing people figure it out. Like I saw people who are, you know, green or even, shall I say, bad. Yeah. And then like three, four years later, I see them and they're like, oh, wait a minute. I like don't hate this. And what's interesting is I've talked to a few and as they try to, and, and when you tell them, boy, you took a big step up in the last, even just six months, yeah. you know, and, and they won't know why. <laughs> no, they won't they absolutely yeah, they just got oh, i just been working hard and you know doing it and you know what clicked or what you know i don't know it's just a, a progression uh one of the things i like to say is that with stand-up if you have talent mm -hmm. and a work ethic right. over time mm -hmm. you'll get better yes and so uh that's the great thing about this business Absolutely. But you got to, you got to put in the work. There's you have to have talent and you have to have a work ethic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A little bit of both. Yeah. And be nice to people. I know that you're supposed to only have two of the three, but have all three. Absolutely. You're going to go a lot further in life when people like to be around you. And you, you mentioned Gerard Carmichael earlier. Who wouldn't want to work with that guy? Yeah. You're, you're, you're in his presence for one minute and you already go, I like this guy. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely. the type of people you want to be around. Absolutely uh is you know besides going to the comedy magic club and uh the standard comedy club uh is there anything else you'd like to promote where can people find that stuff online yep uh just the comedy and magic club.com and the standup comedy club.com and just yeah please go out there and just go see shows mm -hmm. go enjoy comics find some favorites go mm -hmm. seek them out live pay to go pay to go see these acts yeah absolutely yeah, that's how to, they get paid that's how you support yes and, and go to the to the comedy clubs, support that venue, you know, your, your, your local comedy club. Um, that's, that's where these acts are developing and they're, they're trying to get into to hopefully move on to bigger and better things. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I'm Jake Kroger. I created the comedy bureau. Uh, you can find the comedy bureau at the comedy bureau.com at the comedy bureau across socials. So uh, you can find me on Instagram and not the supermarket on Twitter. I'm at Jake Kroger. So many great causes to support this time. Please support those if, uh, with, if you can. If you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep it running another 12 years. It turns 12 this month. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and do you have anything to say as we sign off here? Take care. Thank you. As the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is 
is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.